0: Okay, let's start this new series called True Riches. Now I'm just going to give it to you a short resume of it all, so pay attention. Jesus spoke so much about money and possessions because he knew much of our lives would be involved with them. God owns everything and he has entrusted some of his possessions to each of us to manage He wants us to be wise and faithful stewards by applying the financial principles in His Word. He has given us the activity of work to provide for our needs and to develop our character. We should work hard and try to be excellent because we are really working for Christ. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. God's responsibility, and our responsibility with money and work. So let's get into it. Alright, because God cares for us, He gave us guidelines for handling money. The Bible contains more than 2,350 verses dealing with money and possessions. Jesus taught more about money than almost any other subject. The Lord said so much about money and possessions for spiritual reasons and also for practical reasons. Let's take a look at spiritual reasons. What's the first spiritual reason? How we handle money has a big impact of the intimacy of our relationship with Christ. Let's take a look at Luke sixteen eleven. It says, If you have not been faithful in the use of worldly wealth... Or unrighteous wealth. Who will entrust the true riches to you? Now the more intimate relationship with Christ is the true riches in life. And the second spiritual reason is money is a primary competitor with Christ for our lordship. For the lordship of our lives. Now Matthew 6, 24 will say no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And the practical reason is the Lord knew we needed wisdom to use money. He revealed in scriptures his principles for working Earning, spending, saving, investing, giving, and even getting out of debt. And also teaching children how to handle money. Now if people have been taught anything about God's way of handling money, it has usually been about giving. And although giving is very important, the principle of earning and spending have rather been taught We don't talk about it. We don't teach it. But therefore, God's people have managed their money from from, uh, the world's perspective rather than God's perspective. So let's take a look of uh, the responsibilities. What is God's responsibility and what is our responsibility with money? So let's take a look first at God's responsibility. God is the owner of everything. Okay, So that's his responsibility. Uh, Psalm 24 verse 1 will say, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So everything is his. God is the owner of everything. God is also the owner of silver and gold. Haggai 2 verse 8 will say, The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. God owns all the land. Every land is his. Look what says Leviticus 25:23: The land must not be sold permanently because the land is mine. And God also owns all the animals. Every animal of the forest is mine. And the cattle on the thousand hills, the creatures of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. For the world is mine, and all that is in it. Psalm 50, verse 10 through 11. 11 and 12. God created all things. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So God is the owner of things, everything. And He never transferred the ownership to His creators, to, this, to His creation, the people. So as followers, as followers of Christ, We recognize that God owns all our possessions. Jesus even said, Any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. So we have to be willing to give up. Now, God is in control. So we see that God God owns everything. God is the owner of everything. And God is in control of everything. Our loving Heavenly Father is in ultimate control of every event, everything that happens. Look at Psalm 135, verse 6. We'll say, The Lord does not, or the Lord does whatever pleases Him, in the heavens and on the earth. God is in control. Daniel 4, verses 35. 4 and 35 says I praise the most high he does as he pleases with the power of heaven and the people of the earth no one can hold back his hand or say to him what have you done so it is comforting for those who follow Jesus to realize that God uses everything and even difficult circumstances for ultimate good Remember Romans 8:28, and all, uh, and we, who, um, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. So, this to illustrate this, let's take a look at uh, the life of Joseph. Right, you remember Joseph, who was sold into slavery by his jealous brothers. Joseph uh, told his brother do not be angry uh, with yourselves for selling me here now because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you if uh, it was not you who sent me here but God you intended to harm me but God intended for good to accomplish what is now being done the saving of many lives see he understood that God was in control even in the bad situation like he was and God will provide our needs in Genesis 22 verse 14 says God is spoken as Jehovah Jerry which means the Lord will provide now seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things meaning food and clothing will be given to you as well Matthew 6:33 and don't forget Philippians 4:19 my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus so God both predictable and unpredictable God is both unpredictable and unpredictable. He is predictable in his faithfulness to provide. He is unpredictable in how he will provide. So in the Bible, the Lord provides, provided for his people in many different and often unexpected ways. The same Lord who fed manna Uh, to the children of Israel during their 40 years of wandering in the wilderness and who fed also the 5,000 with only five loaves and two fish has promised to provide our needs. He is a God who provides. This is the same Lord who told Elijah, I have ordered the ravens to feed you. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. That's our God, a God who provides. So God will provide our needs. Now let's see our responsibilities with money. We saw God's responsibilities up till now. What's our responsibility with money? Well, we are stewards of God's possession. What is a steward? A steward is a manager of someone else's possession. So if we are God's stewards, we are we manage God's possessions. So we are also to be faithful. God owns all that we have. And He has given us the responsibility to manage uh, uh, our things faithfully according to the financial principles of the, the Bible, of the Scriptures. Look what 1 Corinthians 4 Verse two says, "It is required in stewards that a man to be found faithful. In this case, moreover, it is required of stewards that one to be truce, truthworthy, or sorry, trustworthy. So that's what we need to be." Be faithful and we are to be faithful with all that we have not just part of it but all that we have not only are we to be faithful stewards of the 10 percent tithe that we give or return but also to the 90 percent now all we have is the lord's and we are to manage to take care of it in a way that is pleasing to God now we are to be faithful in little things not just big things look what Luke 16 verse 10 will say whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much and whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much so we need to be faithful in the little things now we are When we are faithful, we will benefit in three ways. The first way we will benefit when we are faithful to God, we will grow closer to Jesus Christ. When we are faithful to obey and serve the Lord, we grow in our love for Him. Look at John 14 verse 21. Jesus said, Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I too will love him and show myself to him. Now, and show myself to him. So faithfully applying God's financial principles will help you grow, not just financially, but will help you grow in love for Christ. We will develop godly character. So first, we will grow closer to Christ Jesus. And second, we will develop godly character. God uses money to reveal and refine our character. Now, how we handle money is an outside indicator... Of our true spiritual condition. Did you ever think about that? If you tell a lot, you can tell a lot about uh, the character of a person, of uh, someone, by examining how they handle money. Now, for for example, are they dishonest or honest with their money? Do they gamble or do they give? So that's how you can see... godly character. The third reason, we will begin to have financial stability. When we are faithful, we benefit, we get closer to Christ, we develop godly character. And third, we will begin to have financial stability. Is that what you want? That's probably what you need. As we apply God's principles to our finances, we'll begin to spend more wisely and start saving for the future and give even more to the work of christ now be careful with extreme teachings or on wealth and poverty one extreme is that godliness can only occur in poverty many of uh, uh, money and possessions can be used for good and for evil a number of godly people in scriptures were among the wealthiest people in their days. So it's not wrong to be rich or to have many possessions. But in the Old Testament, the Lord extended the reward of abundance to his people when they were obedient. While the threat of poverty was one of the consequences of disobedience. Now look what Deuteronomy 30 Verses fifteen and sixteen says it set before you to I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to work in his ways, and to keep his commands, and the Lord your God will bless you. Now, Psalm 35 verse 27 will say the Lord delights in the prosperity of His servants. So, it's not wrong. We may uh, legitimately pray for prosperity when our relationship with the Lord is uh, healthy. And we will have a proper perspective of possession. So it is okay to be wealthy but look what uh third uh, third john verse 2 says beloved i pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers so there is a second meaning of prosper which is the soul now, the Bible does not say that a godly person must live in poverty. A godly person may have material resources. So uh, the opposite extreme is that all Christians who truly have faith will always prosper financially. Now, this is an extreme, is also an error. It's also a mistake. Study the life of Joseph, he is our example. He is an example of a faithful person who experienced prosperity and poverty at the same time. He was born into a prosperous, uh, prosperous uh, family. Then he was thrown into a pit and sold into slavery by his jealousest brothers. Now, while Joseph was a slave, his master promised, uh, promoted him to a head of his household. Later, he made the righteous decision uh, not to commit adultery with his master's wife. The result? Well, he suffered years in prison for that right decision. But then, in God's timing, he was elevated to prime minister of Egypt. Well, the guideline for prosperity is found in Joshua Uh, chapter 1, verse 8. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to be everything uh, so that you may be careful to do everything written written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Joshua 1, verse 8. This passage offers two requirements for prosperity. Meditate on the scriptures and do everything they command and obey it. When you do this, you place yourself in a position to be prospered financially. There is no guarantee, however, that God will choose financial prosperity for you. He knows that what is the best for you and requires that you trust him for whatever he chooses. Now let's take a look at this a contrast between these three perspectives. Prosperity, steward, and, and poverty. There's a chart. Possessions are evil for the, prosper, for the poverty. A steward... Possessions are a responsibility. And for the prosperity thinking, possessions are a right. Now, I work to meet only basic needs. That's what a poverty would, would think. I work to serve Christ. That would be a steward thinking. And I work to become rich. That would be a prosperity thinking. Now, godly people are poor if you are a poverty-thinking Christian. A godly people are faithful as a steward thinks. And godly people are wealthy. The extreme would be prosperity um ungodly, ungodly people are wealthy. That's what poverty would think. And ungodly people to a steward would be unfaithful. And to a prosperity thinking, ungodly people, they are poor. I give because I must. That's what poverty would think. And I give because I love God. ...in a steward thinking mindset. And in the prosperity, it would say, I give to get. And the last, but not least, my spending is fearful and joyless. Fearful and joyless for poverty thinking. My spending is prayful and responsible... For a steward and for prosperity, my spending is carefree and consumptive. Consumptive. So those are the three three perspectives, a contrast on these three perspectives. Let's take a look at work. What is God's responsibility and our responsibility when we speak of work? over a lifetime the average person spends a hundred thousand hours working often this work carries some uh, dissatisfaction with it understanding scriptural uh, principles that relate to work will help you find satisfaction in your work it is also a place you uh, it places you in a position where the Lord can prosper you. So let's take a look. God created work for our benefit. The first thing God did with Adam was to assign him work. Genesis two fifteen will say the Lord uh, took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. First thing he did was to assign um, him work. The Lord created work for our benefit in the sinless environment of the Garden of Eden. Now, after the fall, when sin entered the world, work was made more difficult. Let's take a look at Genesis 3, 17, 18, and 19. It will say, Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and th- and, and, and th- thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food. So work became hard and difficult. Now God's perspective of work, let's take a look of his responsibility. Well, work is necessary. First thing, God, uh, or work, <clears throat> is so important that in Genesis 34, verse 21, God gives this command. Six days you shall labor. And the Apostle Paul wrote, if a man will not work, he shall not eat. So work is important. Work is necessary. Uh, work develops character. So one of the primary purpose of work is to develop your character. While the, the, the carpenter is building a house, the house is also building the carpenter. His skills, his diligence, manual dexterity, <laughs> I don't know this word, and judgment are refined. A job is not just a task designed to earn money. It's also intended to produce godly character in the life of the worker. Proverbs 12, 20, 24 will say, Diligent hands, a good worker, will rule the laziness ends in slave labor. So a hands, a good worker, will rule, but laziness ends in slave in slave labor work is we work for Christ okay so work develops our character and work we work for Christ scriptures reveal that we are actually serving the Lord as we work whoever whatever you do work at all work it work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord not for men it is the lord christ you are serving that's what colossians 3 23 verses 24 says consider your attitude towards work think about it if you could see jesus as your boss would you try to be more faithful to your job well the most important question you need to answer every day as you wake up as you begin going to work is this. For whom do I work? For whom do I work? You work for Christ. He's your boss. And the third thing is God work, uh, God's work responsibilities. Let's see. Well, God gives us our job skills. So, and every skilled person to whom the Lord has given skill and ability to know how to carry out all the work. So God teaches us, gives us skills. But God has given each person unique skills and talents. Scriptures, they, um, uh, does not elevate any honest occupation above others. A wide variety of jobs and, um, are represented in the Bible. David was a shepherd and a king. Luke was a doctor, uh, Lydia was a retailer who sold purple fabric, very beautiful, Daniel was a governor worker, Paul was a tent maker, and finally the Lord Jesus was a carpenter. Yeah. So God gives us our success, our success comes from God. Joseph is an example of God helping a person to succeed. Genesis 39 verses 2 and 3 will say, "The Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered." His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the that uh, the Lord gave him success in everything he did. So we have a job, we have responsibilities, but we need to recognize that it is ultimately God who gives us the success and not it doesn't come from our our, ourselves. God controls uh, promotion and advancement. It's, It's in His hands also. Psalm 75, verses 6 and 7 will say, no one from the east or the west or from the desert can exalt can promote a man. But it is God who judges. He brings one down, He exalts, He promotes another. So, promotion and advancement comes from God. As much as it may surprise you, people do not control whether they will be promoted. The Lord controls your success and your promotions. And the fourth is our God our work responsibilities. Now let's let's see what we have as responsibilities with our work. We are to work hard. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. That's what Ecclesiastes nine verses ten says. Work hard man. The precious Possessions of a man is diligence, diligence. That's what Proverbs 12:27 was says. Scriptures, while condemning laziness, encourage encourages diligence and work hard. One who is slack on his work is brother to one who destroys. Uh, Proverbs 18 verse 9. Well, Paul's life was an example of hard work. He was a hard-working man. Look what Second Thessalonians says. It says, He worked night and day laboring and toiling so that we would not be a burden to any of you in order to make ourselves a model for you to follow. That's chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. We are not to overwork work Work is good work hard but don't overdo it so work hard however uh, should be balanced by other priorities of life so if your job demands so much of your time and energy that you neglect your relationship with Christ or your loved ones um, you are working too hard so you gotta Take, take it down a little. Exodus 34 verse 21 will say, Six days you shall labor, but on the seventh days you shall rest. Yes, you shall rest. Even during the flowing season and harvest, you must rest. So it's important. Rest can become an issue of faith. It is the Lord able to make Our six days of work more productive than seven days now is the Lord able to make those six days of work more productive than seven days yes of course he is the Lord instituted weekly uh, rest for our physical mental and spiritual health all those three things need rest so our responsibility in work is we are to be honest. When we work, we work hard. We, work, we don't overdo it. And we are to be honest. Leviticus 19.11 will say, do not steal, do not lie, do not deceive one another. So be honest when you work. We are to, be, we are to honor our employers. So godly people always honor their superiors. First Peter uh, 2 verse 18 will say slaves or employees. Uh, submit yourselves to your master. With all respect. Not only to those who are good and considerate. But also to those who are harsh. So we are to be honest. We are to be honest. Uh, we are to honor our employers so we and the last one we are to honor fellow employers employees and never slander them what does proverbs 30 verse 10 says do not slander a servant for his master or he will curse you so we are to work 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 hard not overwork we are to be honest we are to honor our employers and honor fellow employees not slander them so speaking of finances there are God's responsibility but there's also our responsibilities so don't forget God bless you May you remember. I'm going to give you a summary of the whole the whole Bible study. Jesus spoke so much about money and possessions because he knew how much our lives could be involved with them. Now God owns everything. God is the owner of everything, and he has um, entrusted some of his possession to each of us to manage. He wants us to be wise and faithful stewards by applying the financial principles of his word. He also, he has given us the activity of work to provide for our needs and to develop our character. He should work, we should work hard and try to be excellent because we are really working for Christ. May God bless you.